Hello, you're listening to Talking Out a Slot. I'm Scott, and this week I've got a very special guest. It's Dave. Dave, Dave <laughs> Kennedy, the man, the godfather of slot. He doesn't like me. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not the godfather of slot. The Ayatollah of rock and roller, maybe, but not the godfather of slot. <laughs> I, I, I think we once referenced, I think you got elevated to being the Pope or something once, oh, didn't we, when we were talking about yeah. it? Yeah. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I think what, what it, yeah, no, no. What, it, what it is is a kind of uh, a recognition, if you like, uh, and I, I, you know this, but for listeners' benefit, uh, about a year ago when I'd been sort of when I'd been watching you for a while, and I thought we haven't got this would be really good if we had a British version, uh, something because at the time we didn't. And um, God bless you, you know, you're in America and that's your biggest audience, and that's great. Uh, and you all drive on the wrong side and all that good stuff. Uh, so that was well, a, it. Was a big part of the inspiration to get going. <laughs> Uh, but um, one of the I'm going to, to kick off just to get you if you like to get into something I know you regular viewers will, will know your views on lots of things and that you're, you've worked in the industry and it fascinates me that how you did that how did you make the leap from one of the one of the, the ordinary folk to being one of the very few folk who've ever worked for a slot car company so um, I was a photographer uh, I started shooting in about 1995 full time, and until about 2003 or 2002, uh, no, 2000. Yeah, well, anyway, um, my wife uh, suggested that I needed a hobby. That I I, uh, I tend to be a, a person who's way too intense. <laughs> you might not have noticed I get a little rattled about things and she's like, yeah, you really need a hobby. And I thought, you know, I could probably do trains because my family's always been into trains and my uncle got me into slot cars when I was a little kid, but I kind of got out of it when we, when my wife and I were moving around and we accidentally kind of went to, or we went to uh, Sears point raceway, which was near where we lived near San Francisco and we were getting a gift for my uh, mother-in-law and she, uh, the, the, my wife was going to go look at t-shirts or something at the, uh, at the place. And, and I said, well, I don't want to go look at t-shirts. And I looked over at the wall and I thought there were little models there. I said, I'll go look at the little models of the diecast or whatever they are. And it turned out they were slot cars. There was a whole wall full of fly and Ninco and I think some Skelectric. Uh, at Sears Point Raceway, at the the the, uh, the real racing track, and I realized I walked up to the whole wall of cars, and it was like a bolt of lightning literally hitting me. Holy crap! I could do slot cars as a hobby, and I went home and looked at looked at them online and found them again in kind of the modern form. Um, I had done them from about five or six or four really when my uncle got me into slot cars. Hmm. Um, but I had kind of gotten out of it because of moving a lot, as I said. And um, I found them online and I, we moved back to the New York, New York city area and the, the paper that I got hired at, at in New York city area uh, had a big studio and I worked in the evenings and I had um, time to enjoy playing in the studio if I wanted to or not. So I started taking slot cars into a real commercial studio at the newspaper and started taking photos of the cars just because that's, I didn't really have a space to put up a track 
in the no. apartment we had um, in the suburbs. So, uh, and I didn't have the money, frankly, at that time. Either I had just like maybe two cars and I'd go to race them at my uncle's house in Connecticut on the weekends. And uh, so I was kind of enjoying taking pictures of the cars as how I was enjoying the hobby, which is kind of how I do it now, frankly, too. Um, so, you know, people enjoy the hobby in different ways, whether it's tuning or collecting or driving or racing or however you want to put it. And I happened to be one of these weirdos that was taking photos <laughs> of them, I guess, as the way I was just enjoying them. And I got to be, a, I was posting them on, on, uh, uh, a, a forum. I, I won't out of uh, deference to a slot forum. I, I won't mention which one here. Um, it was it was an illustrated version of uh, where you might find slot cards, <laughs> you, you might say. And I was a moderator there and I started taking more photos and then I got to be uh, the unofficial or actually official Ninco reviewer. Um, so I got sent some samples that got me started, uh, do it, thinking about reviews and doing them. I had a falling out with the person who owns the, the forum still. And, um, I started my own blog just because, well, why not? Uh, because I was a journalist and had been a journalist my entire life, basically. Um, mm -hmm. and I thought to myself, well, what, what basic uh, name would sound most like a newspaper. And I, I thought of actually Slot Car Gazette and Slot Car Herald and Slot Car News just seemed like it rolled off the tongue much more easily. So that's what I picked. I got a blogger website, slotcarnews.blogspot.com. I still own the website. I don't really post there anymore. There's a, a friend that posts there. But I started that in 2006 and I started showing... Uh, product photos that people would send out. And really at that time, nobody would kind of um, pull them all together on a regular basis. Sometimes there would be one or two people that would post them on slot forum or one of the other forums and you kind of, and then manufacturers would kind of post them themselves, but it wasn't really like a thing to post the news as often as it came out. And because of who I was being this very kind of type A news person, too intense about it, um, I thought, well, this is something that I can do. And it didn't like cost me anything to do it. So it's it was that because I didn't really, I didn't have to buy cars to do it. I was reposting the news that most of the time would go ignored because it would mm. be posted on one forum and not another. Um, I would be on... Uh, Italian forums and Spanish forums all the time, trying to pick up news here and there. And then I wanted to kind of post every day um, to kind of fuel traffic uh, because with websites like that, with news, you need to kind of generate regular content to have people coming back. So I emailed um, real racing teams and brands like I emailed Red Bull and got their permission as as the website say, you know, can't use the written. You can't use the content here without written permission of the people, descriptions or accounts, blah, blah, blah. So I got written permission from 
Red Bull, from Porsche, from a number of Porsche teams, um, from a number of free uh, news wire types of websites that would that had kind of generic news as well as car industry news. So I would kind of fill in, so to speak, uh, on the days when I couldn't find any actual slot car news to post. I would fill in with real racing news, the idea, if I could, the idea being that um, the same people that would want to look at toy cars probably also care about real racing. Um, and yeah, that's real... kind of how it started. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I, but in, for those who've not listened to it, we did a, a, a piece where we looked back on the formation of Slot Forum, which is about that same time. And um, I think obviously yep. the technology forum were, were easy to set up and you know, people with the internet in terms, in terms of imagery. I think it was really that and the speed of download. Isn't it? I remember sitting in the office on dial-up watching, you know, into scale, scale model site, which is still going, the UK, the <laughs> pictures would be downloading that, like, and you would get sort of a thumb of the way down and think, oh, no, I don't want to see the rest of that, and then move on to the next one. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, I've been that's there. What it was like. That's what it was like, kids. So, but I think the technology just all kind of came together. We, and you're right, We what the guys were saying on Slot Forum was trying to get the slot car manufacturers to even think about the benefit of sharing what they were doing. Some would, some wouldn't. Uh, I mean, as Gareth discovered, some of them would take things to a show and then say, you know, don't take any pictures of it. You know, it was kind of crazy, the understanding of yeah. what was going on was really big. So like, pulling something together like that, even now, is not easy with the... Because the, the, it's, it's, a, it's a collection of cottage industries, isn't it? They're not, there's no... Yeah. None of these are big multinational uh, companies with uh, marketing departments who are really, you know, thinking about this every day of the week. No, and also, I mean, like some of the companies, uh, I mean, a lot of them, frankly, farm it out. Like I do a lot of the social media posting for Slot It and Balakar. They they have people that, that could do it, but the woman that does it, who you probably know as well, Jocelyn, um, uh, they, she's got a lot of other sales duties to do. And some of those people, uh, most of them, frankly, are only part-time so they can't really do it as effectively as someone that can devote, you know, a couple hours a week. Hey, you send me an email. I'll post it when I get the chance because it's, you know, probably five or six hours delayed in the email anyway. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's um, uh, I do that for slot at Policar. I've turned down a couple companies because I frankly just don't have the the extra time. Uh, I do I do work for a U.S. distributor. Uh, who's a, a retailer as well, but they're the Canadian distributor for NSR, LEB Hobbies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a, it is a very small industry and it's, it's time consuming to post things and it's time consuming to look for news. Um, also, the, but the I quality enjoy doing it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the quality level is, you know, that's the difference. Anything you do online, it's easy to get started. You know, that's yeah. always the way. It's dead simple. Once you then start trying to raise a, a consistent level of quality, and regular regular listeners will to talking out of slot will know we still struggle on that one. But I'm interested that that <laughs> so this is all you doing your own thing. How how did you make the leap to working for who did you work for first? Was it Carrera first or Cornwall? no? I worked for SCX first. So SCX, how yeah. I started this was I started my blog Slot Car News, and 
I was very, uh, I guess, insistent <laughs> with SCX <laughs> because it seemed like they were releasing a lot of cars at the time, which is probably about 2006. Well, 2006 when I started, uh, they would send out regular newsletters, single they called them newsletters. It was a PDF with usually three photos on the first page, a product description, and the second page of the PDF was another photo and then a brief description of the whatevers. So it looked like to me, well, okay, they have a lot of content coming out. I'll email them. Someone emailed me back, an actual person who would – it was Luca Por, uh, Porcelotti, and he, um, uh, he and I got chatting regularly and I got closer with the company. Um, they had decided kind of unbeknownst to me at the time that they were going to make a push into the U S and I was approached because, uh, I was doing what they called marketing, which I had no idea I was doing that. I was a journalist, not a business major. I never took one business class ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and they approached me and said, uh, this is probably around 2007, right before iHobby in Chicago. Uh, they said, well, we want you to come to Chicago. We'll pay for your trip so you can re- you can talk about what we have here. I said, okay, great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I went and they made me an offer to consult. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing with any of this. I just take photos and show them online. And they and the, my bo- who the guy who became my boss Chuck, Arid, said, "Well, that's that's called marketing, Dave." And I said, <laughs> "Are you sure? This this seems a little too easy to be to be what people call marketing." And uh, he said, "No, uh, we're going to make you an offer. It wasn't a great offer, but then a couple months later, they made me an actual offer, and it was a step up from what I was making at the newspaper." I could work from home because of the fact that it was a Spanish company. Um, It didn't matter where I lived. So my wife and I moved from the New York city area to where we, where we live now, which is where she grew up in Pennsylvania. And so that was um, 2008. I think I started working full-time for SCX and I worked full-time for them for two years. And that was the start of it. So there we are. That's fantastic. I mean, I think I mean there's a lot. I mean, you know, I think people may know my my career was always in full size cars uh, for different car companies, Um, and I think people often you get people who are fans of of a product or a hobby or whatever. Um, It's always kind of hard for them to conceive the company behind the doing all of this and the sort of making that leap. Now, uh, telling not telling, my big thing was I always wanted to work for BMW. And eventually, I got to work for BMW. Wow, that's and it cool! Wasn't, and, it was, and it wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> of course it isn't. <laughs> that's what you learn. <laughs> that's what you learn. I was going. <laughs> I'm, I'm slightly leading you down a path there, but with <laughs> yeah, well, feel, feel free Without because me? I got. I have lots to say about that. <laughs> Well, bearing in mind that we don't have a legal department. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's okay. <laughs> but we, if we, and if we did have a merch department, I would be getting them to do T-shirts which said, that's called Marketing Dave, because I think that would definitely <laughs> I should. I should actually add that to, uh, to 
Yeah, that's, like that's called marketing. That's called marketing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That was but, um, literally what he said to me, by the way. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm doing business. All right. <laughs> so, so obviously you because you well for the sound of it. So although you sort of had sets as a kid, you know, you'd, it's been relatively recently since you got back into it as an adult. Um, yeah, it was, it was about sort of 2001. Yeah. So but, how so did you, it, it, how did during it feel the summers, when you were... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, how did it feel? So once you're once you inside the tent, to use a well-known uh, metaphor, <laughs> how, yes. did that, how did that feel? Um, it felt surreal, frankly, because uh, one of the first things I did was... Uh, I guess, I guess I went to Toy Fair in Germany fairly soon after being hired by SCX just to kind of get a sense of things. Um, and then I went to Spain, which was crazy. Um, I had, I had been an exchange student in Germany, uh, for a a long, uh, not really a true exchange, but a, a long, uh, vacation, basically a long, a long trip into a couple months or a couple weeks rather. Anyway, so it wasn't the first time I was in Europe, but it still felt very strange to be traveling because of toy cars and <laughs> having an expense budget and being put up in a fairly nice hotel and flying anywhere. I mean, it was, I, I had to pinch myself because I'm, I mean, you feel like a fraud. It's like, what the hell? Why am I here? I'm just taking photos and then, you know, a few thousand people see them online, but it's, yeah. but it just, it was very, very weird. And frankly still is to me that, that, but, but then I had one of those jobs where I was taking pictures in New York city of pro sports and San Francisco of pro sports. So I already kind of had one of those jobs where people mm. would say, Oh, wow, you get to see this or that. And, Madison Square Garden or wherever, and yes, I did. So, it it being on the inside of a company, first of all, it was a massive wake up about how few people are actually in the business, uh, mm. are in, in an office doing the thing, whatever the thing is. Um, yeah. Shockingly, they didn't really play with the cars, which I don't know why I thought was surprised by that. But nearly no one that works at these companies, that works at the large companies, I should say, not the hobbyist ones, nearly no one that works at the larger companies, Carrera and Scalextric, actually ever really play with the cars. Now, they might test them if they're a design person, but <laughs> these are not people that are hobbyists. By and large, I know of no one, I knew of no one at Carrera that raced when I worked there, I worked there for eight years. Yeah. It's um, not that I, mean, I worked for four or five different car companies and you know, I spent 25 years at the world's biggest one. Uh, and very few of the people there were car fans. Um, you know, they liked a nice yeah. car, but they weren't, they weren't car fans. And then you know, it was, uh, it just wasn't part of what life was about. And I guess, so I'm not, in a way, I'm not surprised. I guess once it gets beyond being that kind of self-made hobbyist company where somebody mm -hmm. transcends the, you know, their interest in the hobby to making their own product, and you can see how that may work 
once it's a business that's maybe generations old, I mean, you know, Carrera and Hornby, pretty old businesses, you know, they've been going a long time. And, uh, yeah. I mean, SCX. And, and SCX so. as well. They're still owned yeah. by the Arnau family, even yeah. even today. Luis still mm. owns and his, uh, his, his family. Uh, and Luis Carreras, his son, still run uh, SCX. So, I mean, yes, certainly family run. Uh, Skeletric is, as, as has been talked about ad nauseum corporate run for, you know, it's like they have a, a turnover pretty regularly at the top, uh, and have had recently the, the new folks there are great. I met them in, uh, at toy fair in New York. Um, so yeah, but the, yeah. the thing that shocked me, I think was, you know, that I could operate, that I could work effectively without knowing much about business because a lot of it was just kind of what do people like? What do they want to buy? How much do they want to pay for it? Uh, for dealers, it's what, how much do they have to pay for it? And when does it ship and how big a box mm -hmm. does it come in? They don't really care as much. Most of them about what a thing is, what the colors are. Uh, they want to know how much it costs and when you're shipping it. That's 90% of what dealers want to know. 90% of what consumers want to know is how much does it cost and what livery is it? And also that goes with what car it is, but they don't care about the rest of it. Sort yeah, of. I mean, again, like that, that echoes, I mean, you know, car dealers are very seldom car fans, you know, they're, they're money fans. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, oh, they yeah. like making money, they run a business. And it's probably, I mean, I think, you know, probably the fastest way to lose money is to run a business that's your passion. <laughs> And uh, because you know you'll not make the the right decision. So when yeah. you when you joined, what was so what was kind of the lineup then? What were the just to paint a picture? What were what were SEX selling and what were they about to sell? What kind of what? so so when I joined, that was um, well. So one of the things they were talking about doing was starting a line of Trans Am cars because the Trans Am stuff at the time was you know the overwhelming favorite that Skelectric was doing. And that was, like I said, about 2007, 2008. So, you know, that was the heyday of the, uh, the Boss 302 and the Camaro Trans Am cars that were sort of, you know, fairly new molds at the time. And everyone wanted to jump on the bandwagon. Well, everyone except Carrera, quite frankly. Um, so basically that left SCX. Uh, I said, well, you know, rather than doing the same car that, uh, that Skelectric is doing, let's do something else. Let's do the next obvious car, which was the Cuda. the Cuda. And I researched the Cuda. Uh, I have all of them kind of behind the, the, you can't see, but it's behind the camera here. Uh, all of the, the, the cars that I, all of the SCX Cudas that I have, which is probably 90% of them. Um, I, so I researched the Cudas for them and that took a, about six months to get kind of, more, it was harder at the time to look for uh, images uh, on Google, which was how I did most of the search because I lived in Connecticut at the time and I couldn't, you know, I don't live in Southern California or the Seattle area, which is where the real CUDAs are by and large. Um, hmm. The ones that do the Trans Am series that, well, anyway, so um, it was hard to kind of research them and kind of figure out what to do 
but that's how they started. And they, at the same time, they were also going to be doing the, uh, the NASCARs, the aero body NASCAR, the long kind of pointy nose. I think I have one. Here was that, yeah, were, were, no, they in, were they planning that before you joined, or is that one of your? Because it's um, a, an obvious they, American connection with it. Um, it, I, I honestly don't remember if that was prior. I mean, it was right around the time I joined. It was hmm. something they knew they needed to do. It wasn't, you know, like my doing. They, they hmm. had a, you know, they had Chuck here, and they had, and Brian Young who was already working for them. He had been hired a couple weeks before me full-time as well uh, when I got hired. Um, so, I mean, the idea was there to do them for sure. And hmm. then we started doing them around the time I got hired. Um, and they were quite successful. Uh, the cars were, uh, they performed quite well and they were, they were pretty nice models. They had a, a reasonable range of decorations on them. They spent, quite a bit of money on that. Uh, mm. I got to learn quickly about kind of licensing um, and what uh, went into the discussions with, you know, with NASCAR, which is the top level of licensed kinds of people. You know, when you think about licensing in the slot car world, you think about NASCAR, you think about Ferrari pretty much as the difficult ones to deal with or the, the ones that require the most. I don't want to say difficult because they, they want to, they want to do projects, but they make it. Um, they have a lot of requirements, which I think is fine. So yeah, I mean, it's that. I would say it's of, a measure. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a measure of the. Uh, it's a measure of the value of the license, isn't it? Because these organize the, the the bureaucracy that surrounds something like NASCAR or you know the Olympics or whatever. And I had a little bit of a taste of that in my career. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it painful, makes sense. It, yeah, it's painful because it's so big, and you know they they, yeah. they have to guard against there's money involved. Not not necessarily for the sport or for the or for the licensee in terms of the, the size of it, but somebody might make a lot of money, so they have to control it. And also, the, I think what people tend to forget about with particularly with toys is product liability. You know, they have to the these companies yeah. can't afford the risk of some little toy company making a something in China that kids then choke on or whatever and um well, so there's I a mean, whole load of good there's a whole load of good reasons why these things are, are, are pure product. but i think people outside business and certainly outside the hobby you know it would always be that well just go and make that model you know just just go and do it well it's not, it's not that easy right and I, I i do think you know that there's people have a odd understanding of you know it's like if you if you're building something if you're working on a project and you emotionally invest in that and it's your job or it's a passion for you and you invest years and years and years of time into it and i'm going somewhere with this um you <laughs> you you want to have ownership of that big o and small o ownership of it and if someone takes that from you if someone uses that without your permission or at least asking your permission, then it's insulting. And, you know, I've seen this with, with the brand that I use, Slot Car News, since 2006, and I don't want to go too deeply into this, but, you know, I, I know that it's a description of, of showing news from the slot car world. 
but it's also my brand. And there's a, a, a YouTuber or two that uses my brand on title slides. And of course it's annoying because it, it feels like there's some, con there's a confusion about, Oh, is Dave on that stream? Oh, well, no, but why does it say slot car news? And I've, use this and I've built this. I have domains that I've paid for since 2006. Um, it's, it's been something that I've invested my time in and another streamer started screaming about me, calling me all kinds of names about why would I do this? But I do this as a, as a small business for my family too. You know, I intend to do this even after I retire, which hopefully will be in the next 10 years, maybe, or maybe after 10 years. But I can so, tell you, it's really, it's really good being retired. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really, I'm looking forward to it. But my it's point really is, it's, it's a small business for me. You know, it's something mm -hmm. that I've invested, not, the money investment isn't really the thing. It's the emotional investment. It's the time investment. You know, yeah, it, I, Exactly. And I think it's not, but again, you know, even if people are not, even if people are doing it for the, in all innocence, and I'm not saying they are or they aren't, because again, going back to with you making models of cars, um, there's a sort of notion that stuff's free on the internet and you know, right. oh, we're all in it, just do this. People forget that everything takes, you know, the fact that they've heard of something or are aware of something means that some mm -hmm. effort has gone into it. It, just, it wasn't just oh, yeah. lying there in the street. And um, yeah, but I get, I think, Again, it's, you know, it's an echo of the, of the theme, if you like. You know, people, most people are not exposed to business like that. And when they do, right. they come against and go, well, this all feels a bit uh, you know, serious. Well, yes, it is. And um, I mm -hmm. think, again, it's a, it's a crazy... I mean, all, all I'd say is I think you, and, and I know you're not blowing smoke up your watch, you, you are definitely at the, kind of the peak of the pyramid in terms of slot car media. Uh, and I guess that there's a kind of inverted compliment comes along the way when people try and take some of that one way or another, whether it's do the same thing or trying it. So I, my my view would be look at it as a as a kind of sign of success, really. But um, I, I get this. It's annoying. What about going back, going back to yeah. the toy cars though? So sure. what, how did it feel? How did it feel when? So I guess the Cuda was the first model that you were involved in the development of. How yep. did it feel when? You start went into a slot shop meta, metaphorically, and there there was the car you'd worked on. I think what was that like? Um, uh, it was really emotional because, um, growing up as a kid, you know, I played with slot cars with my uncle, and I mean, it means toys have always meant a lot to me. My family are all collectors, and. Uh, my uncle got me into uh, model building when I was little, uh, mainly with airfix stuff. My grandparents would visit England um, all the time and bring me back stuff from Hamleys and brought me back some uh, Corgi die casts and like kind of raising toys up on a pedestal as my family did. Uh, it was shocking, humbling, uh, emotional, uh, just to feel like I've had an effect on the hobby at, with seeing that first, those first two cars, um, mm -hmm. they were the Dan Gurney and the sweet savage Kudas. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. I cried, but when I saw the first, like 
these are, this is what I helped get done. And it meant a tremendous amount. And it still does. Every time there's a car that I've researched um, that comes out, uh, it's, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of people that work on cars. It's not just one person that gets a car done, but most of what I've done is um, kind of followed trends and followed what people want. And I have kind of a mental checklist uh, about kind of what cars people want and what decorations they want. And that's something I've always paid attention to. So a Mm -hmm. lot of the contributions that I've made have been in that way. It's kind of initiating the project um, Mm -hmm. because I've never been in the actual offices every day to get the project actually complete. So mine, my work is kind of at the beginning and the end of the project. It's kind of Mm -hmm. researching it, finding it, convincing people to make it, which is not a small undertaking. And then you kind of shepherd it through, uh, hopefully better, better than worse about the project. Make sure that the details get put on the car correctly. The color is correct to the driver's name is correct. Sometimes I'd get involved with licensing negotiations with uh, the drivers or the teams or the real racing company. And then when the car is ready to come out, uh, I'd get samples and then I'd take the, the product photos. So, and then, you know, talk to people about the story of the car, how the slot car got made, any information I have about the real car that people might not know, or that people do know. So it's kind of the whole process, but not, uh, again, unfortunately, because I've never had the privilege of working in an office of a slot car company regularly. I've almost always worked from home and frankly, from right here at this desk most of the time. <laughs> um, so it it's incredibly satisfying to have some kind of small effect on the hobby when you're mm-hmm suggesting a car and then to have that car come out and have it be successful. I mean, the, the CUDA is arguably the most successful car SCX have certainly ever had in the modern era. They haven't released any other mold with so many different liveries. I mean, there's 18 at their 20 different CUDAs up here or that have been available. They haven't done any, number of any other car uh, with just that one livery in the modern era since about 2000. So... Yeah, look, given that they've just re-released the M, the BMW M1, <laughs> there's oh, hope for everything. <laughs> uh, boy. I I get that, and, and I know you, you kind of come at the hobby from really loving the older molds, but for me, it's, you know, it's I was kind of absent from the hobby for a lot of those years from the eighties and nineties um, because frankly, slot cars just about died here in the U S and they were nearly impossible to find, especially where I've lived most of my life. So, you know, I didn't have the benefit of having that kind of continuum of cars. Mm-hmm. I started with the old stuff from the sixties that my uncle has, and we raced on his Ravel track. And they were all scratch-built cars. You know, they weren't really RTR cars in the 60s. There were kits Mm. and there were models, and that's it. And um, that's how I started out. So 
you know, all of the cars that I drove were his that he made in the 60s. And they were all, um, you know, 25th scale and some some 32nd scale, but a lot of said, jalopies and stuff. And Yeah, it's, but there's a, it's a, probably a little anecdote. I may have told you this one before. I was on a, a work event once and I had three. Uh, so there was two journalists and I sitting having a chat. All three of us slot car fans. Uh, one of them, one of them, a guy called Richard Bremner, who works for Car Magazine and things. Um, mm. He collected sort of what you might call that sixties era Skeletric stuff, mm-hmm. and the sort of epitome of what he had. He had a set of I think it was six Formula Juniors, mm. still in the paper branded paper wrapper that they came from the factory to the distributor. And wow. he didn't want to break into that paper because it would spoil it. So he knew it was inside, but he didn't want to do it. Uh, yeah. The other guy, the other guy built his own brass chassis, you know, wound his motors, all that stuff, did mm. all that kind of thing. And there was me who bought toy cars, took them out of the box, and you know, put them on the track and played with, played with them. Mm-hmm. And there was so there was three of us with a fairly niche hobby to start off with. Completely mm. different in how we approached it. You know, it was there was, no, there was no real crossover other than the fact that these things all went in a slot. Um, and I think yeah. it depends on where you started. And you know, you you mentioned your uncle, and I think it depends where you start. Maybe which club you go to or something mm. that gets you into a certain way of that's how you do slot cars. And sure. that's the, there's no right or wrong as long as you're having fun. That's the key thing. As long as you're having fun. Oh, and, totally. Um, yeah, people people need to remember the fun bit a bit more often. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. People take, um, and and I get it's that part of my personality, the negative part of my personality. I get negative about things, and I I, I I do try to work on it. You know, it's definitely something that's gotten better and worse. And you know, certainly at the beginning of the pandemic, when I lost my job with Skelextric, um, that was just absolutely crushing. And I mean, I cried for a day and a half basically. Uh, and certainly my, that's when I decided to kind of start doing slot car news again, um, because I had nothing to do, frankly. And, uh, we were just obviously sitting at home with nothing to do. All everybody was. And I thought, well, you know, I don't really want to be like that a-hole guy that goes and trashes everybody that he just worked with. But <laughs> I also had some uh, some insight into the business, and I wanted to speak plainly for the first time in more than a decade of having worked with companies. And and certainly I was extremely depressed, uh, clinically so. And we, um, I just I I worked through a lot that summer. Those first few videos, which are, I mean, frankly, very negative not wrong, but negative. <laughs> um, and anyway, it's just, you know, I, I, it is people that work at these companies and yes, you know, we're hobbyists and we take these things probably too seriously and they might not take them as seriously as we do. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's how it is. Um, but we're, you know, we're, we're, we're true believers in what we do in the hobby and we love it and we want it to be perfect. 
which of course it never will be. We want all the cars to be perfect. We want them to cost nothing. And we want them on our doorstep the day after they're announced. Um, and none of that will happen. And they're made by people that may or may not care about our likes and dislikes. And we do need to remember that, you know, that these are toys. They are meant for kids. Uh, they really are at I the end of the day. Yeah, I'm good. This this is why you've 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 touched on several. I've never really said this out loud before. To me, it's a lot like um, Star Wars, but I mean Star Wars pre Disney. Wouldn't go to that one. So yeah. when the second when the, when the prequels came out, and everybody was given them a hard time because there was a whole generation who had kind of that first three films revolutionized blockbusters. We'd bought all the toys, all that sort of stuff. Yep. And there was so much uh, anticipation, and uh, um, you know, and I remember George Lucas sort of saying, "They are kids' films, you know." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kids, and uh, there was all these adults going, "Oh, it's not as good." Um, but equally, and I, and I see this in you know, in line with um, there's a there was a, an interview. I think it was it was a UK TV one, but you and McGregor before the third of the prequels. Forgive me, I forget the names of them these days. But anyway, the third one. That's okay. <laughs> uh, and of course, it was a, it was sort of everybody was kind of knew that just been that sense of it's not quite right. Mm. And even you and McGregor being interviewed, he just kind of said, "Come on, George, you can do it." You know. So there was this sense of even the guy starring in it was kind of like willing the direct. Yeah. And um, and I think it's the same. We we all you know, the, the the negativity that people. I think maybe I'm too. Maybe I'm being kind. The negativity that people give over about the cars if they're disappointed in them is rooted in a expectation that it's going to be better, and therefore it's not that they're. I don't think out to have a go because why? Why would you do that? I think it's they want to be able to go. This thing's great, uh, but they for whatever reason they find they can't. And and I know what from I guess my my career was if you like the opposite end of the the journalism spectrum from you because I was in PR all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, no, Nobody sets out to make a bad movie. Nobody sets out to make a bad car. Right. Nobody sets out to make a bad slot car. You know, it's kind of just doesn't sit. So it's about how close, how close you get to the thing. But equally, we were spending our money and, you know, we can, and you can always choose not to buy it, you know. And um, yeah. that's been, that's been an interesting situation for this Again, not this, having said all of that, be positive stuff. I'm going to sound negative. So take the the JPS Lotus seventy nine, <laughs> pre ordered the set when the minute they announced it. I'm having that with the problem with the fan. Been mm-hmm. looking forward to it. So that was what ten months ago, and um, got a call from the store saying, you know, it's ready. Do you want to pick it up? I went, yeah, I don't want to. I've seen pictures of it. Mm. The livery is not really good, and Mario's head is far too big. So, and it was. It was an interesting moment for me where instead of just going, yeah, yeah, I want this, mm-hmm. and then maybe be disappointed when I got it, that I had sort of stemmed enough of that enthusiasm to go, no, nah, it isn't quite good enough. No, you know, I'm going yeah. to counter that straight away by saying, equally, Skeletrix Escort, the Repsol WRC one, wasn't on my list to buy, saw it on a mm. shelf, had to have it. I love that car. I think it's great. It's a great slot car model because mm-hmm. it looks right, goes well, all that. It's not going to win any races, but it it's great fun just to stand there doing lap after lap after lap after lap. Oh yeah! And um, so I mean, it's you know, it's not me having a down on Skeletrix about the Lotus, but I think that's where the so there's an element of I think well, our expectations are whatever they might be, and we just want them. We 
where you and McGregor going, come on, George, you can do it, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I, that's the thing that, I mean, people that work at these companies, I mean, you know, you, you, you put a lot into the work, you know, I put months into the CUDA and like I said, I wasn't even in an office doing the day to day, having a meeting with this or that person. I would, you know, it's just, you put, I mean, I do anyway, I put a lot of time and emotion and investment and, you know, literally like lay awake at night before some of these cars get released. Like, Oh, you know, we're going live tomorrow or, you know, it's going to be shown in, in toy fair tomorrow or whatever. And you just, you're dying inside because you really want it to be great. Now, maybe I'm the exception, but I, I don't think so. I mean, nobody wants to, to do shit, you know, or sorry, shite. <laughs> um, nobody wants to, <laughs> nobody wants to do a bad job and to think to be thought of poorly. I mean, literally nobody wants that. Um, could more time and care be put into certain cars? Yes. But at the same time, you know, it's hard to look at a range of cars and think to yourself, well, how can this one car be so delectable? How can this one car have everything right about it? Every curve by and large, you know, like all this fabulous little detail on a car and then have car B be so lumpen and crappy made by the same company. And you think to yourself, well, mother of God, how can these two things exist? This doesn't make any sense. You know, you clearly didn't put as much time into one as you did the other. And that's insulting to the people that wanted that other one to be good. And more often than not, quite frankly, the U.S. stuff has gotten the short end of the stick. Um, and that's, that's, that's something that I, I don't think we really people haven't really talked about as much about that fine point of, well, you know, all these rally cars get made. Well, I mean, all the stuff, there's so much effort that gets put into this rally stuff and the touring cars and all the stuff that's just never going to sell in the U S because it, it won't. Um, and then the GT cars sell here, which is great, but you know, the U S stuff, it's been a varying degree of, of quality of build quality, of mold quality, of all the quality, you know, the research quality, which sometimes had been falling on me, not doing a good job or other people not doing a good job. And, and then the designers not doing a great job, the wrong materials chosen, the wrong motors get put into cars, which was infamous at SCX. They just decided to put the slow motor in the, in the NASCARs in the middle of the run for no freaking reason at all. And then lied to me about it. And then, it was just, it was a disaster. But so, you know, it's like, there's a lot of that. That was the other thing that kind of surprised me was there's a lot of nonsense in the business. And you think to yourself, well, God, why, why even bother if you're going to do such a crap job and you kind of know you're doing a crap job when you're giving one end, the short end of the stick, like, hmm. how do you not realize you're doing this? So, I don't know. That, said, that, yeah, that gets yeah. back to what you were saying about some people getting really wound up, uh, you know, about about a, a it just falls short of the expectation. Yeah, I think that's a, I, that's a, it's a sign that we can't I mean, statement of the obvious. We're going to spend, you know, 50 quid on 50 dollars on a 
toy car with Kia, you know, uh, and that's a cheap one these days. Um, so, um, but it's it's more than that, I think. Um, I think there's people are passionate about it, but it's, people are passionate about movies, music, you know, all this, there's a, and that's, uh, that's what it taps into. And I think for the businesses uh, who are involved, big or small, um, I think they recognize if they don't recognize that, you know, that's what they're selling. They're selling. They're trying to fulfil some element of that dream that we've got. And um, I've been looping back and conscious of conscious of time. We're going to have to do this again, aren't we? Conscious Absolutely, of time. Yeah. <laughs> For the the uh, yeah, one of my the photography side of it uh, and the imagery side of it. Um, I've long held a theory on toy cars or, or assembly kits or whatever, that there's imagery that we've seen that has a has an effect on us, and mm. it's our desire to kind of recreate that in front of us. Yeah. Um, I always, you know, I'll build a model of an aircraft, and subconsciously I end up holding it in the same angle as it was in a movie or you know, it was mm. in a book or something. Um, and I think when I... Back, you know, I spend hours literally. This is what the benefit of being retired. I spend hours literally just <laughs> playing, playing with toy cars. Um, and people say, Well, why aren't you racing them? And I went, No, no, I'm watching them. I'm kind of I'm driving it, but I'm watching right. it go around. Um, yeah, and I and I think it's one of the unique. It, this is where it's different from die cast, uh, it's possibly similar to RC, mm-hmm. but I don't RC mm-hmm. isn't realistic enough. Yeah, uh, I think that's yeah. That, it's closer to trains, cool. I'd say. Yeah, so it's, it's and it's that bit of it where you can recreate something you've seen, mm-hmm. whether that's on TV in real life, even if you're just trying to bring a picture to life, um, and that's where the joy comes. And as I say, if I can take a car, it doesn't have to be the fastest car as long as it goes round the track, and I can slide it around the corners a little bit. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun sometimes. Yeah, I think it's it's that connection. And if you're really drawn to a car or a brand, it's a way of making it personal for you, especially if, you know, you'll never really own a real Porsche. And let's face it, most of us never will. Um, you know, it's, 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 that, it's having that little bit of personal something in your home. It's like holding it in your hand, you know, Having a having a Cuda, you know, in your hand, <laughs> or a Cobra in your hand, <laughs> and so you know, it's like it's having those things, and you know, it, it's funny because I've talked with real Porsche drive. I know real race car drivers. I'm sure you do too. And you know, you talk a, with them about slot car racing. Frankly, a lot of them know about slot car racing, especially the the European folks, and there's a connection that you can make there. Yes. Even about the slot cars. And, uh, you know, I researched the, the slot cars because of the real cars. So I know a fair amount more than the average person, probably about certain types of racing histories of cars, certain cars. So, you know, I would go to, uh, trade shows or we would go meet with real Porsche teams. We did this in, uh, uh, Carrera quite a bit meeting with real teams and um, uh, I could talk real car with them at a respectable level, even the engineers. And my boss at Carrera at the time would show me off about that. He would, you know, he would say, <laughs> just kind of go. And it built credibility with the Porsche team. 
Um, we talked with uh, the uh, TRG, the racing group, uh, Kevin Buckler, mm-hmm. who was a Le Mans winner. And um, we were talking about doing some events with them and some work with them. And, and they had a, a, because they were a Porsche sponsored team, they had a real Porsche engineer there, a real engineer. <laughs> I mean, an actual engineer from Porsche is what I meant. And, um, and you know, being able to really talk with the guy uh, intelligently, he was surprised that I knew as much as I did, because I don't think he was expecting much <laughs> talking to the toy car people. <laughs> but it's nice yeah. to, you know, have the, the connection with the real car and have it, even if it's only a toy car, um, that's okay. Yeah, I, I, it's part of the it's part of the spirit of it, and I think that that cars are a it may well be a twentieth century uh, phenomenon that you know historians will look back on, but it's such a big part of our culture. Um, you know, certainly in the the West, wherever we define that these days, mm-hmm. um, you know, the car provided so much for people. Um, in terms of freedom, mobility, you know, all that sort of, you could you could live somewhere else, you could work somewhere else, you could go places just because you wanted to. You know, this was sure. I think when I think when we lose that, people are so the connection that guys who the engineers I always found with, with the journalists the, the best one, and this echo the same thing. You know, the ones who went up to the engineer and said, "Oh yeah, that such and such is not very good, is it?" Uh, the engineer would just sort of roll his eyes and be polite for the next one. Somebody who went up and said. What have you got in the garage? You know, mm-hmm. uh, because you would find you know, the chief engineer of Corolla almost invariably had a nine eleven somewhere <laughs> in the garage. <laughs> uh, <That's awesome>. <laughs> so it wasn't. It wasn't that they were. You know, they, they might have made. They made a product which was fit for its purpose. You know, it didn't yeah. mean uh, they were sort of. Uh, they really wanted to make washing machines or something. Uh, I mean, even Camry chief engineer to use the U. I should use a U.S. reference. You know, so Camry. Sure. Um, once, once described by somebody as a domestic appliance, but by God, <laughs> what a domestic appliance, you know? Of course. Yeah, go go well, that, anywhere, go forever. So yeah. someone, you know, my boss at the time when I was at SCX, uh, I had gotten an offer from Carrera to move to Carrera. And he said, well, you know, and we, at the time we were doing the SCX Pro cars, which were, you know, an all out, out and out hobbyist race car. And Carrera's stuff, especially at the time, um was just thought of as purely a toy. And my boss said, well, how are you going to go work for Carrera? You know, these are not at all hobbyist quality cars. And I said, yeah, but they're toy cars. They get people into the slot car hobby, hopefully. And that's a great thing. And maybe I can, you know, do some fun work with them. And, but it's that kind of, you know, you're going to work on the inside and you change what you can change, which frankly isn't much. You can try to influence and kind of get a trend going somewhere. And, you know, you don't, you're going into a different, you're going into a company that you're working for. Don't expect to change anything. You can maybe change some minds. You can maybe influence guide a little bit. Uh, If you're lucky, you do get to change something and add something to what they do. Um, But, you know, you're going into it with the wrong mindset. So, just doing the best job you can and make the best toy you can is how I had always looked at it, especially with the, the, you know, SCX Carrera and Skelextric is these are toys. They're meant to be enjoyed by the broadest possible audience. And that's their reason for being. 
So, yeah, that's good. We we probably should wind up because we're nearly at an hour. As you, as you and I said, we can both talk for too long. But anyway. we can. <laughs> so before, before I let you go for now, because I hope you will come back and we'll do another oh, one. Oh, definitely. Um, um, there's a trick off the cuff question. So, oh, you get a phone. You get a phone call as soon as we finish here. You get a phone call from Major Slot Car Brand. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter which one. Yep. <laughs> and they say, Dave, 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 we've got a chance to make a car and announce it for the new year. What would be top of your mind? What's the slot car you'd love to see them make? Well, I can tell you one that I think one is making because I suggested it to them. Is that? Uh, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one, but you're still going to tell me one that you, you don't uh, think's been made. Um, that I don't think has been made. Um, uh, the Trans Am uh, Pontiac Firebird, uh, I do think has some legs. I also think a uh, Cobra Daytona Coupe which was made but kind of abandoned by Ravellogram, uh, hmm. I think needs to be made well and again. And I would love to see it in 124th scale, although All I don't right. think okay. anyone would ever do that. But I would like to see somebody make the uh, Cobra Daytona Coupe again um, because it's one of my favorite cars ever. Um, there we Brilliant. are. Well, there you go. Hopefully, because you know they must be listening. It's you and me. If they're not listening, who are the fools? If they're not listening, free consultancy. Anyway. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all this knowledge, this is, all this all this knowledge, passion, yeah. all this shite, but, all in one place. <laughs> <laughs> the utter slot. Other the, slot. Uh, that's sorry. Yeah, utter talking utter slot. slot. <laughs> My channel, we talk utter something else. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant Dave listen thank you very much I really enjoyed that and as I'll, I'll hopefully we'll do it again sometime soon yep. uh, but until then uh, keep well and I'll see you soon thank you bye everybody Thanks.